Today's episode of Home Row is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it also inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. I'm I'm writing. You know how to write. Without the without the without the writing, you have nothing. I'm writing. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Home Row. I'm your host, Jeff Metters. It's great to be with you again today, now into our, man, maybe sixth season of, of talking about writing, talking with writers, and talking about books and new books coming out. And I love to have uh, guests come on as they have books that just came out or books that are just about to come out. For one reason, the writing process is fresh. They're thinking about their book again. Uh, so I know sometimes it takes about a, a, you write a book over six months and then a year later the book comes out and then you got to think, did I actually write some of this? I don't even remember writing these things. But then you look at your book again and you go, hey, I did write all this. Look at this. And so today we have Catherine Parks on the show and she's got two books that came out this year, both kind of in the same uh, lane of biographies, one on women, on 11 women's lives that, that God used for his glory and then also one for 11 men coming out. Uh, this summer. And so we'll talk more about that. But Catherine, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So for the people out there who don't know who you are, why don't you just give them a little bit uh, background, who you are, uh, what you do, um, yeah, in your situation. Yeah. So uh, my husband, Eric, and I have lived in the Nashville area for uh, almost 14 years. Um, We have a daughter who is 11 and our son is eight. And uh, I do just a lot of different things. Um, I joke sometimes with people, you know, in Nashville, if you run into somebody and they say that they're a, a music writer or musician, you say, okay, so what coffee shop do you work at right. or where are you waiting tables? And and sometimes I feel like the writing life is a little bit like that too. It's, um, I write, but I also nanny and, you know, do side editing gigs and this and that to, um, to just kind of contribute to the, the household however I can. So um, currently I am a stay-at-home mom and my kids are in school. They've, we've done some homeschooling and some in-school and yeah, so we reevaluate every year, you know, if we're going to do in school or out. Um, and so, honestly, it's it's a little easier to do the writing thing when they are in school. So this year that has worked well. And um, and then my husband is a videographer and uh, a film producer. And so it's fun for us to get to kind of cheer each other on in our respective lanes. And yeah. every once in a while, our worlds collide. And uh, so this week, he is working on the book trailer for the book Strong coming out in the summer. So that's really fun to um, kind of watch him do what he does and see his expertise at work. Yeah, very cool. Uh, now, what, what's something that you do for fun out, out there in Nashville? Um, I feel like we used to be a lot more fun than we are now. Now we're just <laughs> two kids. Tired. Yeah. Two kids. Yeah. I, I have two kids also. My daughter is 10 and my okay. son's, my son's five. Yeah. So, yeah. So a similar, lot of, similar lives. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when we first lived here, we used to go out to, to shows and concerts a lot. And, um, my husband especially likes, 
foreign, obscure, independent films. So um, there's a great theater for that here in town. But we we don't take advantage of things as much as we used to. Um, but we do like to travel as a family. And I would say that's uh, planning travel is really fun for me. I kind of nerd out on the research okay. ahead of planning and, and going on trips. And last year we did a big road trip out west. And um, that was really fun, something we did with my parents and got to see Yellowstone and Grand Tetons and um, Arches National Park. And so whenever we can kind of head out and do stuff like that, it's really fun. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I think, you know, the older your kids get, like, you just do your sometimes what we do for fun is we go to soccer games and we're driving them to things and just hanging out as a family. But yeah, we love to, we love to travel too. But if my wife could just pick like, where are we going to go? It's like Disney world. Let's just go to Disney world as often as we can. And yeah, we love it. That's how I am. That's uh, my husband needs a little more convincing. We did go in December one year and um, that was the sweet spot for him. I feel like we had only been for like a day in the middle of July in the past. And um, that is not really his cup of tea. So, yeah, going in December was great. Yeah. Standing in line is fine. That's that's to be expected. Right. Standing in line and sweating. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you're not doing it. You're just standing and you're sweating. Not it's great. just it's just brutal. And then if you yeah. go in December, you get, you know, the all the Christmas stuff and the Christmas parties ah. and oh, it's so cool. That's that's definitely the time the time to go. Yeah. Now, uh, Disney's not paying for this spot, but Disney you could. <laughs> you if you want to be an advertiser, just hit me up Disney and we can talk shop. You own everything Man, else be, in media that'd world. That'd be a sweet job. There yes, you go. Yes, yes it would. Now, I always love to ask this question of everyone that comes on the show. So you've written like four books now. It looks mm-hmm. like if I look at your Amazon page, unless Amazon's m- missing something. Um, how did you become a writer? I know there's a lot that happens before these books come out, um, yeah. articles and editing and all those kinds of things. But I guess, you know, where did it begin and how did you get to now, t- not only just four books, but two coming out in one year, which is an impressive feat on its own. Yeah. So I, my dad is a journalist. He, um, he went to the Missouri school of journalism and, um, ended up being a sports writer for several years and then, uh, went to seminary and he's been a journalist in Washington DC for the Southern Baptist convention for, um, gosh, like 30 years. And, uh, so there was part of that that that's just kind of, I don't know if it's hereditary or was just a part of the rhythm of our home growing up. Um, but so some of it I think is very natural. Now, as a kid, I didn't necessarily appreciate his job that much. I remember really lamenting the fact that he wasn't still a sports writer uh, because to me, you know, oh, it's great that you went to the Supreme Court today and heard whatever, but oh, if wow. you could get us press passes to the Wizards game, that would be a lot more <laughs> impressive. Um But, uh, you know, kind of having him always there as an editor and, um, and we, we were big readers growing up. And so I think a lot of it just started with the rhythms of our home and our family life. And, um, I decided when I went to college to study English and secondary education and, um, about halfway through, I decided that maybe I wanted to teach, but I was tired of taking education classes and wanted to take more literature and writing courses. So I ended up dropping the education and picking up uh, a writing minor, 
which was really helpful. I got to take courses like um, advanced prose composition and advanced wow. grammar and, you know, things that I wouldn't otherwise have done. And being in a Christian college, I went to Bryan College in East Tennessee and um, there were opportunities to do, you know, uh, my advanced prose composition class. We did some deep dives on um writing on scripture passages and kind of devotional writing and, you know, narrative writing, um, using scripture as kind of the, the starting point. And, um, that was really helpful to me. Uh, at the time I didn't know what I was going to do and, and really about six years out of college, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. So, um, I did after school, I, I got some jobs doing proofreading and editing and, um, ended up working full time as an administrative assistant at Vanderbilt University. And then when I had my daughter, I wanted to stay home and the Lord just kind of constantly provided little jobs here and there, marketing and um, research things and, and some more editing jobs. But I, at that point, I still wasn't really considering writing as a career path. Um, and my mom is, my dad's bivocational, so he's been a pastor for 20 years, and uh, she was in town one time, and we, we were sitting down to coffee and just talking about um, some weddings that she had seen and weddings that I had been to recently and um, really talking about some missed opportunities, even in my own wedding, and ways that we'd seen people be really intentional about sharing the gospel and not making their wedding day just about themselves, but using it as an opportunity to really, um, demonstrate the gospel. And so she kind of jokingly said, Hey, we should, we should write a book about this, which was totally ridiculous. Um, because who were we to write a book? And the more we talked about it, the more excited we got about it. And, um, we happened to have uh, a literary agent in the church that I was at at the time and kind of presented it to her and she decided to take us on and one thing led to another and B&H decided to publish that book. And so that became a Christ-centered wedding. And, um, and that was kind of, I'm a research nerd, so that was a dream come true for me because I got to do a deep dive into a lot of the symbolism behind weddings and, um, you know, why we do things the way that we do in right. our weddings. Um, those are probably no one else's favorite chapters in the book, but it was really fun for me. So, uh, after that, my agent was like, you know, you got to strike while the iron is hot and what are you going to write next? And honestly, I just had nothing. Um, and felt a little bit of pressure, but also felt like I, if, if I just have to come up with something to write another book, then I don't know if writing is the gig for me. You know, yeah. I need to really be passionate about it or I know that it's not going to sustain the long hours of research and writing and, um, and really the time that it takes uh, away from family and, and some of my other priorities. And, um, and so it was, I think, four years between that book and the next one. And, um, and the second book I wrote is called Real, and it was published by The Good Book Company last fall. And um, it's really a, a look at confession and repentance as the means of growing closer to the Lord and to other people. Um, and and that was totally different for me because The Good Book Company, well, you're familiar with them. And yeah. so, you know, their process is so different. And um, I 
it was the first time that someone had basically said, you know, instead of just putting verses here and there, you need to take a passage and really exposit it in each chapter. And that was extremely stretching for me, but also just really, really good and helpful. And um, I enjoy teaching the Bible, but this was, I think, really refining even in that. Um, And so I've kind of veered from the original question, but basically, you know, it's been just this this process of um, knocking on doors yeah. and, and waiting to see if, if that's what I needed to do. And, and I understand and recognize that there's a lot of privilege in my being able to say that, you know, I'm not the primary breadwinner of my family and my, my family's livelihood does not depend upon um, me being able to write books, but I am really thankful for the opportunity to do it. And, um, you know, the things that I've learned and the ways I've grown through the process. Yeah. No, I, I love how you answered the question, kind of kind of weaving through how the different books came about and, and how you did become a writer. And something you said really resonated with me so much. So, yeah, I, I loved working with a good book company. I think their process, if you're not familiar with listeners, how they do it. So most publishers, when you do write a book, it's they want you, you write the whole book and you've got X amount of months to write the whole thing. They You send it to them, an editor gets it, goes through it, makes revisions, makes comments, sends it back. You accept, you decline those changes. You make your own changes, you send it back and then it comes back again. And then someone else looks at it and looks for stray periods and commas (laughs) and uh, misspelled words. So there's like kind of content editing and then grammar kind of uh, construction editing, all those little things for the good company. They go by chapters and so like, uh, maybe you can t- talk about real, but when I, when I wrote humble Calvinism, it was okay, let's write the intro in chapter one and mm-hmm. this month and we'll, we'll get that refined nearly to where we want it to be. And once it's done, okay, let's move on to chapter two and three. Okay. Let's finish that in a month. And then, you know, we, is that, is that kind of how it went for you? Yeah. Yeah. And it makes so much sense because, you know, you need those foundational chapters, the beginning of the book to be where they need to be so that you can build on it throughout the rest of the book. And, um, but I, I mean, the first time that my editor, Rachel Jones sent back, um, I, I, it must've been like the intro and the first chapter. And I remember my daughter looking over my shoulder and saying, why are all the words red? What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And it was extremely humbling for me because I thought, you know, I've, I've done this before. Like I'm not that bad of a writer, but, um, you know, it, it ended up being something that I felt like I really thrived in that kind of editing environment. And, uh, it made the book a much better product. I'm totally convinced than it would have been otherwise. So I agree totally. And it feels so much more doable when they tell you, okay, work on the intro and chapter one this month and a Mm -hmm. half instead of work on all 40,000 words (laughs) this five months. And I'm a huge procrastinator. And so having the pressure of a monthly deadline instead of one looming deadline in six months is really good for me. Yeah, I think so too. And and there's so many positives to it. If, if someone, if a writer makes the same writing mistakes and has the same kind of Mm -hmm. weird idiosyncrasy or kind of same bizarre sentence construction that doesn't make sense, they can root that habit out early. Yeah, um, that's a great point. And, and then you can figure out, okay, this is these are the things, these are how I should organize my chapter. You know, you organize it, 
poorly the first time, you get it fixed. And then you learn how, okay, this is how I should organize it. Or this is how many verses I should try to exposit and how long mm-hmm. they should be in the chapter. So I, I thought it was a great experience. But some, something else you, you said, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess like right now, I, I'm so resonating with what you said that humble Calvinism has done well. I don't know how well, but mm-hmm. enough to where yeah. my agent said the same thing. Hey, you need to pitch something else right now. What else do you got? And I'm thinking, uh, I have nothing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The well is dry because, I mean, I'm writing the random articles for TGC and I also write for He Reads Truth. So so those things are still going, but I'm not writing anything for my blog. And I have the weekly sermon at Redeemer that that's, you know, I'm still doing that, writing it and preaching that. I just feel Mm -hmm. like, man, I got nothing right now. I've got a couple ideas, but nothing that's screaming to me like humble Calvinism did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's, that's where it gets really hard. And, and I think we, you can see the side of it where obviously it makes sense to go ahead and be developing because it is a long process and, you know, you don't want to totally disappear into oblivion in the meantime, but we also see the flip side of it where you have people churning out books every year and maybe the quality isn't as good or, um, you know, they haven't had the time to really put the deep thought into it. And so I, I don't really know, you know, for me, it's, it has to be something that I really, really care about. Um, and, and not to say that you can't come up with that, but I think also, even though it's been a while since you've written the book, you're also coming out of a season of having to promote it. And for me, I get tired of myself. I get tired of talking about books. Um, and, and so you don't necessarily want to just start the process all over again on the heels of what can be a really draining season. Absolutely. And I feel so, I feel so slimy every time I promote humble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. uh, There's a Twitter uh, guy, uh, Calvinist Batman. And he sent me a, like a, he was making fun of me for, he's like, I just laugh every time you promote your book. And I'm like, I know I, <laughs> I feel the irony, but if I don't, my kids won't go to school. They won't get to go to their classical school anymore. Or, you know, I got to, yeah. daddy's got to make some sales for the kids. Um, there you go. So, That's, okay. So empowered yeah. and strong. These are, mm-hmm. you know, a little different from uh, the wedding book, which mm-hmm. I, I put links to all of Catherine's books in the show notes. So you can just scroll to the bottom of your podcast app and you'll see links to, to all of Catherine's books here. Uh, so yeah, you have a great book, Christ centered, uh, weddings and then real about friendships and, and, and all of that necessity stuff and community, but then a, a transition into a biography. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how did those ideas come about? Well, um, I mentioned last year we were homeschooling and, uh, I also homeschooled my daughter when she was in first grade. And one of the things that I, probably my favorite thing about homeschooling is having the opportunity to really read a lot with my kids and and to do a lot of reading aloud to them. And when my daughter was in first grade, we read a biography of Amy Carmichael. And, um, I remember thinking, this is something that I wish we had a lot more time to do is read a lot of biographies. And I wanted to introduce my kids to these um, figures of faithfulness in Christian history. And, uh, but the reality is that we just don't have that kind of time. And, um, 
I felt that pressure. And then simultaneously, I was having conversations with a few different people on the heels of the Women's March. And um, particularly feeling like there was sort of this displacement for a lot of Christian women where we couldn't go all in on the Women's March, but we also couldn't totally disagree with everything that these women were saying and, and kind of thinking like, what does it mean to be an empowered woman? And what do I want my daughter to know about who she is and who she was created to be? And um, it just kind of dawned on me that one of the best ways to learn about that is by looking at the lives of these women who got equipped to do um, some pretty amazing things in their lifetimes. And and so that was really the the beginning, the foundation for Empowered. And um, I originally thought, you know, let's call it girl power. And that was a little bit too um, aggressive of a name, I think, <laughs> a little bit scary. But um, But the idea behind it is just the same God who empowered these 11 women can empower us and can empower my daughter. And so it's geared for ages eight to 14. Um, and it's just a collection of chapter length biographies, but that have real life applications. So we look at Corrie Tim Boom and say, you know, the same God who helped her to forgive these really difficult people can help you to forgive that kid at school who is just really unkind or your little brother who keeps pestering you. Because I grew up reading a lot of biographies and thinking, this is who I have to be one day, but it didn't necessarily have the same application to my life right where I am. And so if the hero of all these stories is God and we have the the power of the Holy Spirit inside us, the same God who empowered these women, then there has to be a real life application for my daughter right where she is. Um, so again, as a research nerd, this was just the greatest thing in the world, getting to read all of these biographies and research these women's lives and, and get to write about them. Um, and so I was working with B&H kids on that project and uh, partway through, they came back and asked if I would do the boys book as well. So, um, and that one, there was a four month turnaround. So that oh, one wow. was really rushed. Yeah. yeah. Um, which really the writing itself wasn't, you know, it's pretty straightforward. But it was just reading. Uh, it was a lot of research um, and a lot of time commitment for that. But that's that's kind of how that came about. Um, being able to pitch that to a previous publisher made the the process a little bit easier. And I'm really thankful that they took it on. Man, I can't imagine having to turn turn that out in four months. That it would be really scary. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, again, like the. Honestly, they could have given me eight months and I probably would have waited till the last four. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. They knew your sometimes tendency. the like, shorter, ah, yeah, she'll get it done. I mean, they but, hoped, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So take us into your, your writing process. I know the listeners love to hear and just learn how, how everybody does things so differently. So we already know you're, I think Tre- Trevin Wax has a great analogy for writers. He said, you know, some of us are crockpot writers um, it stews over and over a long time, long time. And some mm. of us are more like walk, like skillet riders, high heat, uh, really quick, you know, but flavors yes. are marinating all that. And some of us are microwaves. Like, <laughs> it's time. Okay, perfect. I can do this in 30 seconds. Let me knock this oh, out. Oh man. But so, the flavor and texture is. The yeah, it may not be. As, so I, I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes stuff is microwave. I had to microwave yeah. some articles yesterday. 
Um, mm. Sometimes, Perhaps. you know, it's sometimes we're crockpots, but where, where do you feel like you, you, you tend to go? Now, I've had some good microwaved burritos, so I, I don't want to knock the microwave all, there you go. all the way out. But where do you think you tend to land? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely more of a probably somewhere between the the skillet and the microwave. Um, I will say like the book reel that I did with the good book company, that was something that I had taught on and um, had done a lot of research over a long period of time. And so I feel like that one was able to simmer for a long time. But the actual writing was a lot faster, you know, is that deadline, write it in two days, um, write the chapter in two days kind of thing. And so I think, uh, I do a lot of thinking before I ever sit down to write. And then the writing is, is more last minute kind of getting it out there and, and then doing a lot more on the back end with editing. Um, I am not a disciplined person in general. (laughs) And so I'm not the kind of person who gets up every morning and has a word count that I have to, to meet. Um, and I actually, I'm not, I don't use any of the great tools that are accessible. I'm a like underline and write notes in the margins of all of the books. And, um, I use note cards and, you know, yes, yes. I think because I went to college right on the, you know, cusp of a lot of the the digital stuff coming out I am just kind of still stuck in the way that I learned to write research papers yeah. in college and okay. um so I don't have a lot of great tips for people because my process I feel like is very scattered and and particularly when last year I was homeschooling and working on a couple of books and I did do a lot of um early mornings. I, I used to be a night owl. I cannot think past like eight thirty or nine anymore. Um, my brain is just done. So, uh, yeah, I'm just a, a last minute throw it all together. But, um, unfortunately I do a lot of thinking like in difficult places, like the carpool line and, uh, the shower. I saw Hannah Anderson, another writer said her daughter got her, a a waterproof um, notepad for the what? shower because I, isn't that amazing? I didn't know this existed, yeah. but I feel like all of my best thoughts come to me when I can't do anything with them. And so why um, is that? I know I don't, maybe because you're just stream of consciousness. Yeah. I don't know. Cause you're not thinking about something. So your brain. Yeah. Well, you're not so looking weird. at your phone. You're yeah. not distracted by other things. So I know it got to, so we had to somehow look writers got to learn. How, how can I recreate these, you know, not boredom, but to- mundane, these totally mundane moments in my life yeah. that generate these wonderful ideas, but then I forget it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe Instantly. it wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's your next book in there somewhere. That's There's, it. There you go. Perfect. So now, I know so many writers are different. Do you write from the same place? Do you write from home? Do you go to the local coffee shop? Uh, do you have music? What's your uh, writing scenario and scene like? Yeah, I I like to be home, but um, I get distracted very easily by the stuff that I need to do around my home. And so, uh, or the dog, you know, wanting to go in and out multiple times a day. So I like to get out if I can, um, at least once or twice a week when I'm working on something. And um, sometimes I will put headphones in at a coffee shop, but not actually listen to anything. <laughs> no, really? 
<laughs> but that way I feel like no one's going to bother me and I look like I am in the zone. Um, and then I, I like movie soundtracks. So, oh, totally. um, the little women soundtrack is a favorite. There's an old movie called the Spitfire grill that has a great soundtrack. And I listen to that one a lot. Um, not so much the like gladiator, you know, I'm, I'm not okay. that, I don't need to be pumped up that much, but kind of the slow simmering music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I have that's... a writing playlist in Spotify. Ooh. If, if I can figure it out, I'll, I'll try to share a link to it in the, in the Ooh, show that'd notes. Be good. Um, but it's so 382 songs. 24 wow. hours and 54 minutes of writing. <laughs> That's amazing. That, do they, is it all um, instrumental or do you listen to? No, yeah, all instrumental. Okay. And so nice. it's got stuff like all the bright lights. Um, mm-hmm. The Austin Stone Worship Band, they do these instrumental albums that, oh. are, that are really fun. Um, mm-hmm. There's Explosions in the Sky. Uh, nice. The hip hop group, Beautiful Eulogy, they have mm-hmm. instrumental versions of all of their stuff wow so i pop those in there yeah that's great there's there's so it varies there's stuff like uh explosions in the sky and more kind of rock instrumental and then i have stuff like synth music um okay. where this guy's name his artist name is com trues huh like tom cruise he just switched the first letter of each <laughs> com trues oh i thought you were saying calm true no nope, yeah c-o-m-t-r-u-i-s-e calm trues and okay. if i if i was an 80s synth sounding musician my name would be swill myth that's what i would do nice that's awesome what else i mean yeah explosions in the sky hans zimmer so now i get into the movie yeah. soundtracks but okay. th- this is more like the war intense like dunkirk and inception ah, um, yeah King's Kaleidoscope there, has all their instrumental stuff. Oh, nice. Okay, I'll definitely check this yeah, out. This so is I'll good. share the link. Stranger Things soundtrack. One and two. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Uh, a very, very, very eclectic. Um, yeah, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. I could keep going. I, mm-hmm. I, I have 24 hours of music on here. I could keep... <laughs> I could definitely keep going. That's um, amazing. Now, when you think about your these, these books... Um, and you think about all the editing you've done before too, um, all of your books and, and you look, you look back at, have you, have you edited other people's stuff and had to give editorial comments before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, and this, I always love when there's editors and, and a writer together in, in the same person because they mm-hmm. have such a unique perspective on, on this question. What do you think makes for good writing? Cause I think that's always our, our goal. We, we want to have writing that is not only truthful, um, but writing that is also helpful and also mm-hmm. writing that is also beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. so, and everyone's style is so different. Um, my style, I, I don't even, I'm not trying to be purposely funny uh, when I'm writing stuff, but the most frequent, mm-hmm. one of the most frequent comments I get about humble Calvinism is it's hilarious. I'm like, huh. I'm like, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> Not, not like they're not saying that in a demeaning way. No, like, no, yeah, that's it's enjoyable. It's it's really funny. Yeah, that's uh, so good. Witty and like, well, maybe I should write a comedy book. That's where I need to go. <laughs> um, so, what do you think makes for good writing? Um, you know, yeah, I, th- I appreciate you saying like everyone's style is different because there there are writers that a lot of people love, and I just I can't get into their stuff, and um, I think. Partly because I am, um, 
I am such a research person and I am, you know, I like to deep dive on subjects and, um, and so I'm more of like a consumer of information. But one of the things that I appreciate no matter the genre is, um, is just like a surprising connection. You know, when, when you're reading something and, um, whether it's an illustration or an anecdote or just a reference to something else that kind of makes you stop and, and just really appreciate, um, that connection that you weren't expecting, or it causes you to reframe a subject in your mind or to look at it from a different angle. And, um, and I think that's one of the, the beautiful things that writers have the opportunity to do is to help people to just stop and think. And, and I think that happens in both fiction and nonfiction. I'm currently rereading, um, East of Eden and, Gosh, it's just such a masterpiece. But there are things that even, you know, the way that Steinbeck takes um, the story of Cain and Abel and kind of reframes it and causes you to look at the implications of that scripture in a different way. And um, and I think, you know, that's a, a beautiful thing that a writer can do. And, and I don't know that I do it that well, but even reading biographies, reading so many biographies this past year— um, you start to appreciate when someone really loves their topic and when they want other people to love it too. And, um, and kind of that just, I I don't know, it's not even really a style, but there's something that comes through in the writing itself that, um, that's really lovely when, when someone's passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Passion, passion and love for the, for the subject. That's so good. I don't think I've ever read East of Eden. Oh my goodness. You I'm just, gonna, I know I'm going to put it on my everything. list. Yeah. yeah. Your it, summer read. It's so good. I know I'm going on sabbatical this summer and so I'm okay. trying to figure like, what am I going to read? I don't want to read just a bunch of theology books yeah. um, and, and I'll, you know, pastoral ministry related books. So maybe East of Eden will make the list. If, if we had to read it in school, I just, yeah, I, I just didn't. And I just guessed on the test or, there you go. or whatever. I'm sure I failed, but somehow I graduated high school. So here, <laughs> here, here we are. No. Here my husband is the same way. Like it was kind of like as soon as he graduated college and no one was making him read, he instantly started loving reading and, you know, has consumed so many things since then. But, but if he was forced to do it, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, the only books I remember reading in school were the Hank, the cow dog series. <laughs> wow. That's it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's uh, not good. It's not good. <laughs> That's probably why I don't have a lot of ideas. I've only read a handful of books in real life. Hmm. Um, but now, okay, so are there any books out there that, just last two questions. Uh, one, you already mentioned uh, currently reading, but anything else that you're reading right now that you'd recommend? Um, or anything you've read my, lately? Yeah, my friend Claire Gibson just uh, released her debut novel called Beyond the Point. And it's a look at um, the lives of women at West Point. And she is a believer, but it's not necessarily a Christian book, but deals with some themes of faith. And um, I was, you know, it's one of those things where when a friend writes a book, you're like, okay, I feel like I have to like this, but what if I don't like it? But I mean, I was just shocked at how much I loved it and, um, and how well I think as a, as a Christian, she wrote, um, about faith in a very honest way. And that is such a hard thing for Christians to do, um, whether it's in film or in books. And, um, and I think she just mastered it. And so, um, so that one I would recommend. 
And um, what else? I am kind of slowing down and, and trying to take my time right now with East of Eden. And my son and I are going through the Harry Potter series. And so we just started book six. I'm reading oh, cool. it to him. And um, we've I've done it previously with my daughter. And so it's fun to go back through the books with him and um, and just enjoy it. You know, it's such a I didn't read them as a kid. Um, they were kind of just uh, a little bit after my time, but um, they're gosh, they're so good. And have you read the Harry I Potter? I haven't. I've seen all the okay. movies, so oh, typical. Well, I know my my yeah. daughter's reading them now, but that's also one okay. of the books. I'm like, maybe I should read them on sabbatical. Yes. Oh man. The, I mean. Obviously, everyone says this about everything, but even my son will now say the books are so much better than the movies. Oh, and, I'm sure, yeah. Um, and so now reading book six with him is just really fun because I feel like we have, you know, experienced all of these things and it, there's a lot of good food for conversation with him. And, um, you know, he's only eight, but I think he picks up on a lot of the deeper things. But one of the fun things for my daughter was she read them all with me and then she went back and read them all herself. And oh, well. I feel like, you know, they're, it's the kind of series much like Narnia and Lord of the Rings that you read them at different times in your life and, and pick up on different yeah. themes and meanings. And so it's fun to do that with him. That's cool. Yeah. Well, my daughter, every time my daughter finished a book, my wife had a great idea. She said, let's, let's throw a Harry Potter party every time you finish a, finish a book. And so we'll make some food. I'll have like big steaks or big ribeyes, uh, we'll have mashed potatoes, like a big feast, and we'll have goblets, and we'll make butterbeer, so and, and then we'll watch the movie. So oh, man. That's how I ended so up you got watching to watch a lot the of movie movies. And yeah. Eat the food. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to cook these giant ribeyes and make butterbeer, and you know, oh, it was, man. Yeah, it was a blast. And That's so I'm, really fun. I'm kind of like I'm telling her, will you hurry up and finish that next book? You know, I, I want to <laughs> watch the movie again. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, are there any books out there that you'd you'd recommend? Maybe just your favorite, like book on writing, or a book that's been a great model for you, or something you've recommended for writing before. Oh, I need to read more books on writing. Um, so many people have recommended Stephen King's book to me, and that's probably something I should read this summer. It's, um, it's super good. Okay, it's so the you, only Stephen you, King book I've read. Yeah, <laughs> but I, which well, feels it's weird, weird because it it seems like such a departure, but I mean, the man's written a lot of books, so I guess I should listen to what he has to say. Um, but I, I mean, the last one that I really, really read was all the way back in college and that was Zenter's on writing well. And, um, yeah. I still remember a lot of the things for, I mean, it's just such a classic. Yeah, and so that, that is easily the most mentioned book, um, by, by guest on, on writing well. So I'm gonna put a link to that. I need to go back and look at the other ones because that's something that I really need to to do more of. So I need to look back and see what other people have recommended. Yeah, I love Writing Tools by um, Roy Peter Clark. Okay. Super good. He's another writing teacher. Um, Just a really helpful, it's shorter chapters. It's like 55 strategies. So bite size, really, really neat and uh, helpful stuff. Um, There's a fun one that I like called spunk and bite 
It's a hmm. it's a play on oh, like Sh- Shrunken White, yeah. Nice. And so that the title captures it. It's all about writing with with pop and some sizzle and and all that kind of stuff and using really imaginative words. So that that one's one of my favorite ones because oh, it's it's also it's teaching you something and modeling it at the same time. Uh, which is really really helpful you know it would be a terrible writing book you should write with fun imagery like well that's boring (laughs) you know like you should write with with carnival you know carnival tendencies in in mind like that's way more helpful um so that's and that's one of those writing devices i try to lean on the most is just vivid imagery and stuff like that but well Catherine, thank you so much for for coming on the show guys go and and pick up her her new books um empowered and strong uh my daughter is actually reading empowered right now and yeah she finished the first story um and i was like tell me about it and she was she was telling me all about it she's like this is really this is really cool and so then we even got to i was like do you do you know about the nazis and anything Mm. she's like uh maybe i said okay yeah and so i told her she's like oh my goodness she said, mm-hmm. I can't believe what these people. So we started talking about Corey Ten Boom a little bit. Um, super cool. So thank you so much for, for writing that book. I think it's gonna be a blessing. Yeah. To, yes, and Good. a blessing to young young women and, and young men. Well, well Catherine, where, where could people follow you on uh, social media mm-hmm. or any, anywhere you direct them before we go? Yeah, uh, pretty much all my stuff is under the name Kath Parks, C-A-T-H Parks. So that would be my blog, kathparks.com. And um, that's my name on twitter and instagram so i'd love to connect with people there great well thank you so much everybody be sure to check out all the links and the show notes to all the books that we mentioned today i think they're all gonna be there and we'll have more writers coming up next week uh really and i'll have some solo episodes coming up too so we'll see i'll try to answer some more of your questions about writing and publishing and and all that good stuff but as always just keep writing